welcome to the face downs well after bedtime i am lucas i'm ruben and i'm joe and man i have been talking <coughs> for like 20 hours and i am absolutely shattered so ruben is finishing my tea and then i'm probably going to take a nap but yeah, um, i mean it's been a long weekend i've uh, spent a lot of time talking to you joe it's been an absolute pleasure i must say i mean i, I have really enjoyed myself this weekend like being on the official uh, Konami stream with you, uh, commentating over the Oceanic, sorry, the <coughs> Yu -Oh! Oceanic Yu-Gi-Oh! Yeah. Championship yeah, 2022. Yeah, Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Official terms only, Joe. Of course, we only use official terms on the Face Downs podcast because we care about the rules. Um, <laughs> what's wrong with that? Um, so yes, we got through it, I suppose. An incredibly it, yeah. long day, but a really rewarding one. Got to see some fantastic matches, including one of our co-commentators, co-hosts, co I guess, great friend of the podcast, Dino Spasovsky, winning 13 and 0. Yeah, I mean, with tournament. I mean, yeah. It was like just crazy to see. Like he stormed through the field, all through Swiss. Yep. And then just dominated Top Cut. And he dodged the feature matches right to the end. And then right, you know, we got there and he just started winning every single match. It, it was, was amazing. one of those things as well when we were watching his features like, everything was just falling into place for him, mm. you know, and it was meant to be. Uh, so I always say that, you know, card game tournaments are a mix of skill and luck and you have to bring the skills necessary to capitalize on your luck, I think oh, is yeah, the main 100%. thing. Dino did get a little bit lucky in some of those matches, but at, ne at no point did he ever let that luck slip. And, you know, every time he got an edge, he'd, he'd, he'd take it to the next level. So it was a fantastic day. Obviously, there were more duelists than Dino. We saw on the screen, we saw a lot of local favorites. No, just Dino. <laughs> no, we saw Jajun Lee, we saw Jarway, we saw Corey Lewis, we saw Aaron Dennis, Maybe we saw at the start. Yeah, Connor Shormkel, Ross Hitchens. I mean, just like so many local faces and seeing and them on the stream in front of so many people. I would also like to shout out every single New Zealand player who was on stream because none of you lost. Yes, every single Kiwi won their feature match. Apart which from is obviously the New Zealand mirror match we had at the start, but like right, yeah, that was um, fair. Apart from that, like no Australian beat a Kiwi on stream, and that's yeah. what we want to see. And all jokes aside, the commentary was fantastic. I, I really enjoyed it. It felt like a complete step up for us, you know, mm. giving, getting the responsibility to take on something so prestigious and something so unprecedented for Oceanics in New Zealand specifically. And it was just such a priv privilege. So yeah. I can't speak the praises enough of everyone involved. And also just a quick thank you to Greg as well for the week before, just to yeah. a little bit of a warm up. Um, so you see we're in commentary mode because we're being so positive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it was a fantastic time. And... I will take this as a fantastic time to let Ruben talk about his experience. All right, enough kumbaya, let's talk some trash. Uh, yes, so I was not uh, part of the commentary team or the judging team. Uh, I was, in fact, part of the tournament organization. Uh, my role and responsibility in this event was actually getting it started. And uh, it was crazy. This was so much work. So much time has gone into this event. And obviously, we're recording at 10 p.m. on Sunday, the evening after the event has concluded. And my goodness, am I so thankful that this is over. I mean, you did a great job. Like, Well, thank you. It was... Yeah. Uh, we had a little bit of a hitch up. And obviously, on the Saturday, having to punch in those Konami IDs. And Yeah, I've and never entered data faster in my life. No. Um, I've never used... Uh, you know, I've never had to type in so many zero threes in my life either. But realistically, I think that 
it was just such a great event. Um, my record stands true for those of you who have played events that I have TO'd or judged. No repairs. And that's what we like to see. No repairs, no time wasting, except for the beginning. Um, I mean, once that <coughs> first delay went, I mean, for the next, like literally the next two days, there was no delays at all. Everything ran smoothly. Uh, shout out as well to the Broadcasting Co. The broadcast. Wow. Oh my goodness! Actually, the definition of elevation. That stream from the little glimpses I could see while I was not running around like a kind of headless chicken. Uh, wow! And the amount of stuff they were doing on the fly. They were just like, "Hey, this is going to be a cool shot. We're just going to take a camera out and just like hover it above the crowd and like fade it out the background and like put the Yu-Gi-Oh Championship logo in front, just on the spot." They were just like. Had all these Genius. ideas. Yeah. They even like at the end of the tournament as well, like decided to follow Dino from the table to the winner's interview. And I thought that was just like some really nice little touches at the end as well in the uh, prize given. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, be sure to check out the Konami Twitch, I believe is where you can see the VOD. Um, you'll be able to see some amazing camera work done from the broadcast co. Uh, honestly, they just really brought it to the event. Uh, and they just made that this feature, or this entire event, just look so good. Yeah, they captured it very well. Like, and that's what I feel like you have to do. Uh, you know, I'm not gonna harp on too ba- too much about the other commentary teams or like things that seen, but realistically, I think a lot of people really enjoyed the energy that was given from this one. Mm-hmm. I think the way it was presented, the way that you two did the job, is just kind of it, like incredible to me. I mean, I wouldn't have picked any two other people. Like, okay. I'm just being flat out. Like, I don't know any other people that have the ability to keep talking with as much energy for that period of time because it's a two-day process oh yeah we would definitely fade in at the end of day one and i'm happy there was a break because like, we got to sleep uh and day two we came back and we had a lot of energy like as soon as that top cut started like honestly you felt it, it. the room it. changed like, yeah, it did change and we we were right in there we we loved the tension uh and it built round to round and then towards the end we were completely amped for the final and you could like almost forgot about you know the fact that you'd literally been talking for like two days straight. Uh, I can feel a little bit now. Um, so, so can Lucas, hence why he's uh, taking, a, wee taking break. a little break. Um, yeah, but um, no, I, uh, the energy was great and I loved uh, every moment of it. It was so amazing. Um, so we ended up having 198 players. Um, so this equivalented to eight rounds of Swiss where they cut to top 32 as requested by Konami. Um, so we held seven rounds of Swiss day one with round eight and top 32 held today. Um, 198 people. How does that compare to some previous Oceanics that have been held here? I mean, I think we, we even spoke to Newsom uh, at the venue and he thinks that it may have been like the second biggest event ever in New Zealand. So it's huge. I, I mean, in my memory, I only remember a few uh, tournaments ever coming close to that 200 mark. So, I mean, credit to you, like for obviously putting that together. Uh, credit to all the players that uh, showed up on the day. Um, credit to obviously to all the Australians uh, making the travel. Making the travel. Yeah, I mean that that was the first time Australians so have had an incentive to travel here in five years. Yeah, five years. 2017. What even was that OC? I honestly don't remember. 2017. That's like Zoo? Potentially, yeah. I think yeah. it might have been, yeah. Um, but, the, I mean, the one thing I'll say as well, like walking around the room, like the Australians just came up to me all the time, like asked how I was going. They were all very welcoming. Uh, so, yeah, just massive shout out to those guys. I met some really cool people this weekend. Um, oh, absolutely. It's so awesome to put some like faces to names as well. Like, you know, Luke's and I haven't been in this game very long. So, meeting people like Bowden, meeting people like Yahweh, 
meeting people like Po Zhang was there and it's like oh my gosh like you've just come back from a monumental YCS win and just to see you in Auckland is kind of like it's a weird it's like this weird like imposter syndrome like you're not supposed to be I'm not supposed yeah, no. to be in the same place as you uh, sorry Poe as well on the feature match for uh, not recognising you at the start we were like kind of I was actually quite nervous I'll be honest like we had a few thousand people like watching the stream and like it just skipped our mind we were like Poe I mean it sounded familiar but we didn't want to like obviously be like oh you know you're the YCS winner without knowing and then Ruben definitely corrected us there but yeah I mean it's tough because again like we you know we didn't anticipate I mean we anticipated a large turnout but I think realistically the amount of work that went into it I, you know there's definitely so many things to iron out oh yeah and it's um it's good again this is a learning experience this is the first event that at least we've put on as geek culture um the first oceanics uh again this this New Zealand hasn't had an oceanics in five years mm. uh the last oceanics in general would have been in 2019 if my memory serves me correctly um, it would have been an Australian one. Uh, I think you probably would have just started playing Either a game. started or stopped. I'm not yeah. I'm You're sure. a little, I yeah. honestly little remember it. Red light, green light over here with Joe. Yeah. Um, so realistically, it's a, even, you know, uh, New Zealand aside, this is the first time in th at minimum three years that anyone in the Oceanic region has been able to play at an Oceanic Championship. So to be honest, it just, it makes a lot of sense to see that many mm. people. I think going through the registration... It was like pretty evenly split. Yeah. I saw a lot of Australians and a lot of New Zealanders. Yeah. Another shout out I'd like to make as well is to the judging team. Um, oh my gosh. So helpful. Wow. Um, incredible work. Luke Dutton actually just really coming through. I just want to shout out to all the judges who actually sacrificed their spot mm. in the event to, to assist with running these, this, uh, these events over the two days. Um, honestly, it's it, it, events do not run without judges. No. And it's events at this caliber are just, you just require so much attention, so much, you know, diligence and resilience. So, you know, it's, it's a, it is a total caliber. It's just such a different caliber of person to be able to not only willingly sacrifice a spot at a premiere event, but also take the time out of your weekend mm. to provide judging and assistance. Yeah. Not to mention like the whole day, I didn't really hear about any like Rollins that got you know, majorly messed up or anything like that. There's no massive uh, penalties handed out as as far as I'm no. Um, yeah, so no, like, I did. Yeah, I mean, the whole entire weekend was just played in good spirit. Yeah, I never had to hand out a disqualification form, which, um, is, nice. which is huge. I think that that's obviously really strong. Uh, you know, making sure that everyone is you know obeying like following rules, making sure tournament policy is being abided by, and I think that you know it gives me hope. Like this mm. is if this is where Yu-Gi-Oh is at after COVID. The, the only way is up. Oh, yeah. I, I think um, a lot of people sitting at home around New Zealand even uh, were watching the stream. I mean, I, I got multiple messages from people who went back home in Palmy, uh, even just around the place. Uh, Liam Gill from Nelson as well, uh, shouting out his boy uh, Levi. Um, we'll go there in a second. Uh, but, like, yeah, uh, I feel like they're watching it and they're going, hey, we missed out. Yeah. And I think it just kind of like gets to a point where you're like, oh, seeing it in person seeing the numbers visualized seeing the people like placed in one area you go oh people have made the effort to get here yeah like a hundred percent and i mean i feel like the next tournament we see in new zealand we could see bigger numbers i could honestly see easily nine rounds i mean even based on pre-registration alone i could have it was so close to getting to that like at, at 198 people that's only i think what 68 mm. more people 
that's probably a couple of locals. Oh, it's possible. Like it's yeah. so real. And I think, you know, people get a bit more time. They, you know, get the pra- get the practice. You can kind of, even in your mind mentally, because obviously with Oceanics kind of being this like two one split across the across countries, you can kind of mentally prepare. You go, right, this one's in New Zealand. Then in a couple of years, like in three years time, I'll be back here. So you mm-hmm. already plan ahead. And I think that that gives, again, a, people a lot more incentive so they can go, oh, I know where I need to be. Yeah, and while we're on the topic of New Zealand, I mean, I'm immensely proud of the New Zealand players. I mean, they definitely showed up. Absolutely. Um, I mean, New Zealand took the event. Yeah. We saw Dino go 13-0. and 0, um, but we the saw top eight. Half the top eight and continued through all the way to the, like, continuing backwards. Top four was a 50-50 split. Top eight was a 50-50 split. It, like, it made for great content on the commentary. I mean, the fact that, like, 50-50 Aussie uh, versus uh, New Zealand, like, it kind of gave us that little kind of Anzac rivalry. But, like, also, yeah, I, I guess it was just so cool to see. Like, and, uh, yeah, the split just carried on the whole way down, right the way to the final. Uh I think uh, Keza was saying um, he was taking some footage for the Yormu TCG YouTube Mm -hmm. and he uh, was panning the room while the final was on, like just taking B-roll of the crowd, like reacting to the final because everyone was watching on streams on, you know, little phones and stuff. And he said it was quite funny because like when the Nibiru came down at the end of the game, uh, the Kiwis were jumping up and down in joy and like the Aussies were like, "Uh," you know, not not so happy, but like it it showed that there was that like you were back in your country at the Oceanic Championships, which was awesome. Absolutely. I mean, again, if you do want to see these videos playback, uh, do head to the Konami Twitch because the VODs will be there. You will Mm. be able to see every match from round one to the finals. Um, But that finals, wow. Uh, That was a final... That was a final. That I mean. was a finals. I mean, let's talk about it. Let's talk about the fact that we got to top eight. Mm. No Sprite. Yeah, no Sprite. I mean, uh, top 32, I believe there was like 50% of it was Sprite. Yeah, top four, no, no sprite. sprite. The deck of the day, I mean, was Tillament. Tillaments. Uh, I mean, did you see this going forward? I mean, we also had to see, uh, like we've discussed with Lucas, we've uh, amongst ourselves, uh, even just the general vibe, but people were seeing that maybe Sprite was the second best deck of power of the elements. Um, Tillament just kind of does a little bit more. It rewards very good gameplay. We saw that throughout the day. If you made a mistake with it, it punished you. But then if you played it perfectly, it rewards you. Yeah. Uh, Sprite, on the other hand, it just kind, kind of, of lacks, it just lacks the edge yeah it's a little comfy like not that i'm saying comfy dicks are bad dicks if you're comfy with your dick you'll do well mm. but i think realistically dicks that push the button dicks that give you an edge like give you a little bit of risk and reward it's like i think those are the ones that make it forward and i mean seeing the finals a telement mirror that came down to a difference in engine mm. i mean that truly speaks for itself it does and i mean it showed all facets uh, facets of the deck as well i mean we saw a bit of luck on both players sides at times we saw a bit of like you know mis- a few little misplays here and there like uh but it was uh, the, the the tension in the room you could feel it it was so cool it was really good to watch over um we at times on the commentary, we like fell silent because we just found ourselves watching the game, and then we we're like, "Oh, hang on a second, I've got to talk. We got to yeah. talk about this." <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, I feel like that's absolutely the case. You know, I like even like you said with kids doing B, like B roll. It's like at one end of the room, you had everyone watching the stream. 
in the other end of the room, you had people crowding over the feature table, and you had the people watching the stream of New Zealanders crowding with the Australians. So it was just so interesting to see that split. Uh, I mean, that finals was inc that was it. To be honest, you know, yes, Dino may not have the most notable like notoriety in no. in the world in terms of like in, a, in like a worldly reference, but in the oceanic region, Dino is not someone to be underestimated no i mean we've seen his results at like most regionals he attends i think we were talking before he's like never not top forward in a regional like that's a pretty good record that's <laughs> like, i mean consistent he's always won a deck box at a regional so that obviously guarantees a top four he won the ots championship after not playing for i think two months impressive. um he took you know he's just done so well at so many events it's like this one blip of the North Island Championship was just something that just completely, just so out of the ordinary. No, I mean, that can happen to any player. Absolutely. Like, you just have to have a couple of games in a row at the start of a tournament where things don't go your way, you lose, your head drops a bit and you go, today wasn't my day. And yeah. he showed there, like, even, like, not doing very well at the North Island Champs, it didn't matter. He came back and he proved himself, obviously, to the world, I suppose, like, winning this Continental Championship that's um, that's notoriety yeah that's you putting that's that is you putting your mark on competitive Yu-Gi-Oh for the first time in five years like oh uh, for sure and i mean now i think he can even springboard to do even more absolutely i mean hey there were talks about niagara so you know let's see soon about any <laughs> any future international regional uh, in, international ycs's um t elements uh what is what are your thoughts like seeing this deck just do so well and consistently oh. like Staying here over the weekend, I heard a lot about how dangers aren't the way for it at the moment. Yeah, Even engine. Saying that, like, the dangers are still good. Don't get us wrong. Like, they are still very good. I will agree, yeah. In their own way. But in that particular matchup, the hand trap variant just kind of takes the edge. We kind of talked about it. I remember when Dino, uh, Lucas, and I were all kind of, like, theory crafting this deck. Like, we kind of came up with this triangle of, of Telemann variants. It was the danger variant chomped through th like things like punk it gave you the big bodies it gave you the bodies on board it like you relied less on external on like two engines working together and then it was like the punk could be the hand trap board because hand traps aren't really that effective against an, like two engines that work so well in singularity mm. you aren't aware of what to hit and then the hand trap variant works really strong against the danger variant because your ability to main deck Nibiru and watch them commit to a lot of summons to even consider getting their engine going is something you can punish. Mm. Again, you they summon the Curious, you have the Ash. Yep. You they fusion, you have the Crow. They make the they make the redo or they activate the effect, you have the Imperm. Like the the hand trap, uh, the ability of hand traps to just go to cast so wide of a net against so many different pieces of interaction i think is what puts it over the edge in like a swiss competitive environment mm, and i mean even small things like dino talked about nibiru the primal being being a card that like you know he wanted to play we weren't 100 percent sure and he's definitely proved us wrong and like and proved like you know that that was the card of the tournament for him and we saw it in the finals we saw it in his uh, feature match as well he resolved that Nibiru and it was a complete blowout and like a lot of people weren't respecting Nibiru. No. I honestly I think a lot of people weren't respecting hand traps. No. Like we talked about it in our deck profile, um, seeing desires. Hmm. No one's playing Ash. 
you're always going to draw two cards. You're always going to resolve your meta noise to send from deck. Even your field spell, like you're always, you'll always resolve, resolve the field spell search. And that's the thing is, it's like you look at these, like these, like a lot of people view these kind of like zero for one interactions as like, oh, this doesn't really achieve much. Like you think of activating a field spell and they ash it. You go, okay, well, I've lost a card in hand, but they keep the field spell. But at the same time, it's like, that could be the difference between them having an entire combo or now mm. fully relying on variants to play. 100%. Um, and it was quite funny as well. We were, like, commenting on it throughout the stream. Like, if you go back and watch the replay, we were talking about how, like, especially in, I think it was uh, Dino's, what, top four? Top four match, yeah, when he was up against... I believe Daniel. Oh, it may have been top eight. But, yeah, he um just carried on overextending and, like, the Nibiru was literally on the mat he was playing on, and we we're like, "Come on, man! Like, the, you know, you have to, like." He just kept extending and extending and extending, and a lot of people, I feel like this format, like with the dangers and stuff, just started to get really greedy because they're like, "Well, people aren't on hand traps anymore, so I don't need to worry about that. They need, they just throw everything they have on board. They just keep, you know, doing things almost for the sake of just doing them, um, because the hand traps weren't in the format, so they were like, it's well, they're not going to happen.' So." Yeah, to me, it just, like, absolutely... It just reminds me that hand traps, interactions on your opponent's turn are just still really powerful. Mm. And it's, like, even seeing, like, how strong of a card Telemann's Harvness is. That is game determinative sometimes. I mean, it's an archetype hand trap. Like, that. You kill for those. Yeah. You actually, like, you beg Konami to print them. And I mean, hey, that's what we saw with Rika getting in Princess. They they listened and they said, here's the hand trap. Here's the piece of interaction your opponent can't predict. Hubness literally says, here is a free body and a potential fusion summon. And uh, that, that's better than any other That reads <laughs> crazy. Yeah, it me. does. It does. Um, what was your opinion on like did you see many like interesting side ticks or any like interesting um, calls for main deck events we saw obviously Bowden with the um is it the agave dragon agave, agave yes. dragon yeah uh, that was quite interesting obviously time is a thing in Yu-Gi-Oh. it's been present probably yep. for a while now for i mean at least across all championships yeah so i mean having a strategy to win in time is not unheard of uh that was a pretty unique and cool way to win in time. Uh, the Eradicators, we saw those come in a lot with the Nightmare Griffins. Uh, other than that, like nothing super out of the ordinary that we saw. I would like to shout out a couple of the New Zealand players playing really cool decks who made the top cut. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be Levi from Nelson, a 15-year-old on Fluanderese. Um, he, uh, top eight. Top eight. I mean, for a 15-year-old at your first, first Oceanics. Oceanics, making top eight. And, and it was so cool. He, like, came up to me afterwards and he goes, I think I just want a Nintendo Switch. And I'm like, you, like, you, you just want a, a YTS prize card. You got a lot more than a Switch, yeah. babe. And um, he was just stoked with the Switch. I mean, like, that just kind of speaks volumes. It, it was literally just, you know, a kid enjoying himself, playing Yu-Gi-Oh, but, like, top eight in a major tournament. And his feature match, I don't know if you got a chance to have a look at it, but, like, he was just absolutely dominant. He showed that he knew that Floanderese deck out the back of his hand and... Yeah, I mean, the other guy, unfortunately, just did not stand a chance against it. I mean, Flaundry is still a really strong pick. You know, Dimension Shift is so strong. Um, I mean, I'll have to have a look at some of the deck lists, but, you know, seeing, again, Barry Statue is still so strong, especially oh, yeah. with people not including things like Impermanence. Yeah, I mean, that it punished a lot of people for not running hand traps because Flaundry's its main issue was, like, getting the Imperm on the birds, 
not being allowed to like dig through their deck with prosperity uh even like just not being able to like access the map like just little things like that and, and all of a sudden there's no hand traps to deal with you get your first turn for absolutely free like it, it's a really good choice i felt by levi in the for the tournament i agree i mean we saw it do quite well in the european and i believe mm -hmm. as well in the in the american championship as well like and say central america i remember it doing quite well and i think it even did like a little bit of a conversion in rio people just the presence of flanderese is just so powerful yeah it is and what the was other, your other the other person i'd like shower was eli playing the pure runic deck pure runic uh he made top 32 top 32 but playing three main deck monsters which were cyber valley now go. when's the last time you saw cyber valley get play <sighs> would have been a perfect circle that's what 2007 seven, 2006 around that like it was a long time ago um and it was really cool to watch i mean like we got to uh, watch uh, his uh, feature match uh, i believe it was like round five or six in Swiss. i think round five because I, yeah. I remember seeing determining the feature match and i said now what are you playing that puts you on table 10 yeah because we kind of you kind of know in a, in a tournament you kind of go okay round one and two kind of a wash people are playing their fun decks they may have gotten like a good a couple of luck you get to about round four you're halfway through swiss you go okay no you're playing something good like you're playing something that's converting and so and it was, it was converting um my goodness that feature match was runic versus mathmic it was probably the most one-sided match we saw all weekend like you believe the mathmic player just did not stand a chance like there was nothing he did wrong so like nothing that he he could have even done so really so i mean there was a few little misplays but like when you don't know what a deck does that's what happens like you lose to not knowing like knowledge is actually i hate to say it it's a resource mm. knowledge is a resource in this game that is not that is not talked about enough i think no. it's of course it's hard not everyone has an encyclopedia brain that can recall every single card effect but you know and especially with runic capitalizing on that being so new quite literally a week old mm. but he managed to get the deck together and i mean it was so weird seeing someone draw 11 cards in a turn yeah I that's mean, crazy <laughs> that's unheard of in you -Oh. it's like kind of the stuff of pokemon when they like draw seven randomly but in, in Yu-Gi-Oh, drawing 11 cards like and then milling your opponent out of the game like just taking all oh, sorry banishing all the cards from your opponent's deck twice crazy like, crazy <laughs> it's also the first strategy we've seen like that taking like truly using the alternative win condition of giving making your opponent draw from an empty deck and not to mention though the artwork on it is kind of cool too like i, I don't know if you've seen it it's yeah, like that first player rpg first player rpg kind of thing it's cool to man. me i think that that's such a cool design i mean i think all the archetypes and tactical masters are very strong but yeah runic to me definitely stands out as the one and we see it not only as a deck by itself but as an engine oh yeah we saw a few players on the runic sprite deck that made yeah. top cut i think they've got um, top 16 on some of those um so what are your thoughts on that one including I mean, including the runics as the basically instant fusion targets we, we saw poe playing it and it looked pretty good like um he went up against connor in his feature match obviously connor did take that one out with the enemy controller play which was also very cool mm -hmm, uh mm -hmm. but it felt like um all the runic cards kind of just added as like a almost like an instant fusion sort of thing for a level two so it gave you access to uh the sprite plays quite easily i suppose so if you got disrupted at all and you're stuck with one monster on the field it just gave you that second monster and you can just go through the gigantic sprite line yeah and i mean at this point like we understand that sprite don't have the strongest battle phase anyway so mm. what's one 
Exactly. What I is mean, losing you, one? You're dark rolling people anyway, so. Yeah, well, like, what is one loss? Like, what is one loss battle face if you can just effectively establish a ball that an opponent cannot crack? No, we thought it was a uh, yeah, quite quite interesting. Like, it was also there was quite a lot of like mixed mi- mixed decks up with, uh, with like you know uh, Terra Lemon with Sprite. Uh, we found that like a lot of people were sort of just cramming all the engines into like the one deck, and we often found that like those decks fell to the wayside a bit because like as we saw them sending cards to the grave like they wouldn't always hit the right things and that's where Dino's deck was a bit different where he just went for the pure tournament build and every mill that he was doing was was good like he was always hitting cards and yes people might have been like yeah he got Mm. lucky there but like at the same time he didn't have all these like dead weight cards in his build well yeah it meant that your sins from deck to grave were live Hmm. all the time I had a shower, so I'm back. Welcome back. <laughs> I feel a little bit better now, washing off the, I guess, the briskness of being at a convention hall with a bunch of Yu-Gi-Oh players for two days, <laughs> which is not even like a, a, a dig to Yu-Gi-Oh players. It's just like a room full of 200 people. And not to mention we were looking at like screens and lights yeah. for two days. <laughs> and my eyes feel like they're falling out the back of their head. I also ate half a cheese scone that for the first 11 hours of the day. Yeah, and then finished it off with some, some KFC. <laughs> not sponsored, just delicious so i heard you guys talking about all the different decks that we saw i assume you've covered most of the yeah most of it yeah but i mean have you got anything to add there no i heard you talking about sprite and you know talking mad crap about whether or not it's good or bad and i think you are correct uh i think sprite was interesting to watch convert quite severely like we saw about 16 sprites like you said in Mm. the top none of them converted to top eight or i think maybe one of them did which was interesting i think the deck has like this incredible run through almost any matchup but has in my opinion, one of the worst tier limit matchups in the format. Not only because cards like Super Polymerization and all that are really good against Sprite, they're also incapable of playing through something like a Halfness into a Dragostopelia, or even, you know, as Corey showed on stream, a Winder is a pretty devastating card for them to deal with, especially in, like, turn four. Hmm. <laughs> that seems to be pretty effective. Also, they're pretty susceptible to board breakers, like Dark Ruler No More and everything. So, like, every time you watch tier limit versus Sprite, I think it just looked like tier limit was kind of goldfishing right like they just kind of get to do what they want yeah i mean obviously we there was we were only watching one game at a time so like there would have been like tons and tons of other games going on uh that would have showcased you know i'm sure some sprite players would have overcome the two of matchup but you're right i mean i think they struggled against it like there's so many factors in that deck that just like stomp on sprite i think on paper like everything tier has just beats sprite it does yeah and I mean, everything sprite has better. doesn't necessarily beat tier like totally awesome a deck like Telement that can activate so many cards before even sticking a monster on the field. Yeah, I mean, th- it shows that like Telement is very resilient. It can mm. push through a lot of things. We saw even, but it doesn't like looking like it isn't. If that makes sense, like Dino, when we watched him in a few matches, like we saw him um, break apart like every board he came up against. Yep. But it didn't really look like, you know, there wasn't the, just a, he wasn't just playing you know oh, dark roller and just break your board. It was like a slowly pick away at it and it yep. just gains advantage and that's in, in my opinion thinking about how you just described that it feels a lot like orchest yeah yeah and orchest i think at its peak might still be in the top five strongest Yu-Gi-Oh decks of all time which is funny because it often had an end board of ip mascarena past turn with a orchestrated babble up and you know looking back on that format you're like well how is orchest that good but you watch it see you know you watch a really skilled pilot on orchest Mm. and it's like you just have no chance all these graveyard effects all these hand effects 
and Tealament does its best impression. You know, instead of orchestrated babble, you just have all these triggered effects that kind of replicate the same thing, playing entirely during your opponent's turn, and then you get your your own turn after that once they've been stopped. Well, I mean, also how ironic they're all darks, mm. they're all different levels, and they all abuse a particular mechanic with a supplemental inclusion of a secondary mechanic. Like seeing T-Elements primarily do fusions and the NXCs is mm. very reminiscent of how Orcist was primarily links with the NXCs as the follow-up. I mean, they also don't lock you into anything. So unlike Orcist, you can just do whatever. Yeah, and I guess uh, one thing that uh, comes up a lot is we were talking about the topologics, like the last time they were used. Orcist, yeah. There we go. So like, they are very similar in the way they operate. Um, I feel like... You're right. It is an extremely strong deck that only gets better from here, which is scary. Like it's like what if Dingirsu and Orchestrated Crescendo came out and all of that stuff, and then the next set had like a better Dingirsu. <laughs> like imagine if that's how the game went. We would just be thinking back of that Orchest format forever and strap in because Tealament is currently the best deck at a point in which in the OCG it was like tier two. It was like fine, right? Like it was mm. not the deck mm. that was like taking names. Right now in the TCG, it's the deck that's taking names before it gets any of the really good stuff. Like, we only have the basic framework for what the Tealman deck is going to become. And also, it just gets better. It does, yeah. Like, it's so... We are we are spoilt seeing how far in advance the Konami in Japan is. Seeing things like Tealman's Grief, seeing things like the Earth Fairy Ishizu cards coming mm. out that we're getting in November... We're watching a format develop live in front of us and we're just following the path, the trail that they are blazing for us. And we do not have to deal with Maxi. Yeah. And I was going to actually about to bring up Maxi. Like, obviously, I think we can all kind of agree now that the OCG's dominance of Sprite may have been down to the fact that that deck could have searched to Maxi. Um, yeah. Can't do that here and... What do you know? Like, it's nowhere near as strong. Ironic, though, that one of the best cards from today was still something that punished Special Summons, but just in a very different way. Mm. I think that uh, seeing, you know, seeing the way that Japan has innovated T-Elements and seeing how we are, I mean, you know, at the time of recording, we're, um, like, I think a month and a bit away from Darkwing Blast. Mm. So we're going to be looking at T-Elements, Spells, Lulukaros, and then... We have to wait another month before we get the Ishizu cards. So we're in this interesting limbo where going forward, we aren't actually aware of what decks are going to be dominant because the where, uh, where Konami OCG was when we get this, they had an entire new product mm. to make things work. It's actually kind of scary like thinking about it. Like the fact that the, like we watched this deck today and it was like every time it won it was immense yeah it gets and, way worse and it gets way worse and people aren't really prepared like they've they've heard wind that like oh yeah the ashizu telemann deck is really good and i think we've kind of been putting it off but you know i prompt everyone just go and read the ashizu cards for the love of god go and read them Please read the Telemann spells. Please yeah. read the new Telemann fusion. Like, like, like the Telemann spells, like they will show up and you'll be like, oh yeah, Telemann cards. Those Ashizu cards have like five effects each mm. and they are all busted and the entire format is going to revolve around them. Now, do I think Konami will allow that? Potentially not. I, I could, this is pretty bold, but I could see maybe one of the first or at least historical on release limits could happen to this set. I don't think they want to do that very often, and I, I, I don't expect it. No. But 
this i think in the ocg it has been extremely proven at this point that if you are not playing the ashizu cards at three copies each there is no point showing up mm. and what would that be like when's the last time they would have done that like gust kraken i I can't think I can't of a time where that, they've yeah. like pre-limited cards All I know on release, it, it, like in modern time. No, I can only really think of the ones of you know emergency bans. Like that, that, that's all I can ever think of, and maybe even that will happen. Yeah. Like, um, and I'm not even exaggerating. Cause people wanted this for like totally awesome before Sprite came out, and I was like, whoa, 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 like let it come out. Like I don't think it'll be as big of a deal, but we are seeing how much better tier element is in the TCG than it was in the OCG. Oh yeah, it is like night and day how much more powerful that deck is without the card max c in the format and i'm not saying to bring max c back to no, fix no, the problem no, either please do not. because it clearly didn't work in the ocg once they got the ashizu cards they're just like eh go ahead max c me i'll mill 30 there's only one special summon but i got 30 cards in my graveyard good yeah. luck so you know do we see something i mean maybe like a really harsh tier limit hit as well but the problem with yeah. that is of course it opens the door to all the other ashizu decks one one thing i'll say um is the ban list like now like obviously we've already done our painful choice but like uh, now more than ever i think what? i think it's i think that i think the writing has to be on the wall at this point like at this point every time every event every major event that concluded we were like okay let's just come out next week let's kind of we saw europe conclude we went okay this is the list. They're going to do it. They meant nothing. They were okay. Rio's this weekend, so they might wait till after Rio to do it. Rio concluded. We're like, okay, this is the list. This is the list. And then it got to this event in Oceanics. Oh, Oceanics. And then we go, okay, so no list. And then at the end, yeah, we're in this position now. Look, just put it up. Like, Niagara's next week. When you so have players flying over there, like I guess it's going to be a bit of a rough awakening if they get there and they go, "Hey, there's a new band." But are we going to see an effective immediately? We we potentially could, or they may date it for after that weekend who knows I, to be honest but it just feels so bad playing a format that's this basically dead, dead. Yeah. like that was my biggest concern with oceanics was like i did was just didn't want it to be a dead format mm. i didn't want people to come to this event and go doesn't matter yeah what's the result everyone knows oh you won with the banned card of course you did like that's basically what it boils down to and it kind of it it just removes so much skill from the um uh from the uh player bases and what you know and what people accomplish because you just go oh you play the band card oh you know i think it's an in interesting discussion too i mean um like obviously in our painful choice we went through all the cards that we we thought may have been banned but like getting to watch a whole entire day of Yu-Gi-Oh, the one card that stood out to me uh fairy tale snow fairy tale snow are we gonna see a snatch steal like Please a snatch steal version get rid of it. It, it it's it's i understand it's a very good card it reward oh, I, I can't even really say it rewards good place but it's just so free like you send it to the graveyard you can like especially in the tournament deck like oh, i don't know and it gets to the point where oh what am i banishing spell i can't use spell i can't use spell i can't use hand trap spell i can't use extra deck monster that'll never go back hmm. done and like it's also just made it makes rank force incredibly easy to access the flip face down thing can just like halt plays in the middle of nowhere like it's, it's so powerful it's the it's this is exactly where book of moon was when it was printed i mean it won dino finals it did and, and but yeah it won multiple people games on stream i mean it's the first time in a in a while with konami i feel like have got it 
slightly wrong with a ban list. I feel like bringing that card back. Yeah, at the time we were like, hey, that's kind of cool. They brought that back. I was like, oh, this is funny. You yeah. know, it's not exactly like a, oh, I don't think this is going to be too much of a problem. And then look at it now. Yeah. For the record, I thought it was a horrible idea from the start. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, even even for me, like Formula uh, the Synchron, uh, sorry, yeah. yeah, Formula Synchron was it? Jet Synchron. Jet Synchron, yeah, sorry, that came back. Um, I thought was going to be a bit of an issue. Like, that's not so much now, but I mean, it potentially could be again. Hauk is kind of like, we saw it a little bit this weekend, like Hauk was still around. Definitely wasn't as impactful as like what it was last format, but Snow just stood out to us as that one card that was a problem. Funny enough, Mystic Mind just no one really cared about it because but they were you know ready why? for it. They were all ready for it, just like you said. Everyone was ready for someone to put a field spell down, and then everyone's like, "You lose." Yeah. Okay, guys, but seriously though, showing up to an event, you have to be prepared for Mystic. <laughs> I forget the Jesse Cotton thing, but like they actually, I think that actually that Jesse Cotton tweet had an impact on the community. I think at that point. People were like, okay, we do actually have to start paying attention. Yeah, where were you the day Jesse Cotton tweeted <laughs> that? That's 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 what I'll remember. Maybe when Vlad made that. <laughs> Maybe when Vlad made the uh, Yu-Gi-Oh edit with Kyber and Yugi activating Mystic yeah. Mine. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, Mystic Mine, we saw, like, I think a couple of times it won a few games here and there, but, like, that wasn't really the Mystic Mine. It was more the Runic deck. Um, other than that, every single person who activated Mystic Mine... Lost. Lost. Yeah. Yeah. The only person the only person that activated Mystic Mind at one? Eli. <laughs> On Oh, Jay, Jay is correct. Uh, you know what? That's my final shout out for New Zealand players today. Is yeah. Jay Jun Lee uh, making forty third of so coming top sixty four with Rika. Yeah. Uh, that that he has been playing Rika since it came out, pandemic twenty twenty. And it's his first ever Oceanics and coming to that record, I think fifteen points, X three is just amazing and i mean hey it won european nationals mm. and we're looking at now in terms of like winners and conversion this is the first power of the elements deck to win a competitive event yeah it was yeah tealament finally getting a premier event win i also would like to shout out i think one of the interesting decks this format math mech for not being a flash in the pan yeah. uh not only did it take out two of the top slots at ycs rio there were some math mechs in the top cut here aaron dennis was making it look easy with that deck and Leveraging, you know, the powerful update jammer access code with extra stuff around it deck, I think is just like the best kind of safe pick for this format. Like I would mm. pick it over Sprite, in my opinion, as like the, hey, this deck's not too hard to pilot, gets to play 20 hand traps and go. Because it has a way better win condition yeah. in the form of access code talker. Like Sprite often just couldn't win when it won, like, mm. like, like when it was ahead. Not to mention as well the uh, just generic access to the cybers. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the uh, cybers just has kept getting good. We saw the imports of heat soul. We saw the imports of things like the code, like the code talkers from hand that could that could like link, like the microcoders, the code generators, the I mean, sign of mining so broken. Like it's just cybers has just consistently received tools. So it's finally you know circular giving them the access to those tools is just exactly what that strategy needed. And, and it's cool. I mean, we've spoken about it before. Legacy support. Konami have done it right. Like, a few times now. Like, we, you, you're right. We've seen Rika and Mathmec both receiving cards to just boost them. Um, I think we're seeing some fur hire cards coming out yep. as well soon. We see Naturia doing yep. very well in Japan. Um, and I think that that's... It's really fascinating to see these... You know, this wave of legacy support just really converting. Yeah. 
Okay, taking another nap. So coming back when you do the outro. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that you know, all in all, Power of the Elements, obviously a crazy set. Yeah. Um, T Elements really solidifying itself as you know the first Power of the Elements strategy to convert, and you know we it was a, they were both in the finals. Mm. Um, I guess you know after seeing this event. Do you have any picks for bands? Like, do you see anything wanting to move anything? I think there's, there's not a lot. Like, I, I feel like uh, Mystic Mine is obviously still a problem card, even though yes, it didn't have a good showing this weekend. It just still forces deck building to change into ways where it forces players to play cards like Cosmic Cyclone in the main, uh, Unending Nightmare, Paleozoic Dynamiscus, all these sorts of cards. Um, and I don't really, I feel like just pe- to appease the players, it has to go. Uh, Fairytale Snow would be the other one. Uh, Hauk potentially as well, but again, not that impactful this weekend. The adventure engine a little bit this weekend, I but could again, see adventure. Yeah. it has dropped off a little bit. Like, and it may have gone, it may slip under the radar again. But again, it may also just go. Also, Scythe. Yeah, I didn't see any. No one was scythe locking, I don't think. Um, I believe I, I did hear people getting scythe, but yeah. at least when I was walking around, I didn't see scythes. I still think, like, it, it's not the worst thing ever, but, like, it's just when, like, a tier element player is only really worrying about putting up, like, one or two monsters, like we saw, like, Dino do, and uh, Connor and Lewis as well, like, just, you know, they can just put one t- uh, tier element monster on field and a couple of traps, and that's enough. And if you're just, like, scythe locking them, they don't really mind that much. So, like... I guess maybe that's why we're not seeing as much Scythe. Um, but then again, I feel like it's one of those cards that in the future could just come out and be a problem again. So it may be in Konami's best interest just to get rid of it. Kind of like a future-proofing thing. Yeah. I can see that. And I think I kind of mirror your sentiment on the adventure. It may have dropped off in popularity, but I just, at game, we just saw it go into every deck that didn't need a normal summon. Yeah. And I, I, I just don't know how much of like a diverse deck building that promotes. No. And especially like you look at something like, you know, you look at the decks coming out right now from Tactical Masters, you, Labyrinth pro, com, like capitalizing on normal traps, so minimizing the amount of floodgates that are in that strategy. Runic, obviously, battle phase, so, you know, it's an interesting one there. Quick play spells and, um, you know, coming out in Darkwing Blast, things like the Bistids being this interesting like DD Crow strategy for lights and darks, creating mm. a really hard counter to T-Elements. I would be really interested to see how the decks adapt going forward. Oh, actually, one of a kind. I just remembered the uh, super polarization. Wow. I mean, your opponent cannot activate. Neither player can activate cards or effects in response. And I think uh, you personally may want to see that card go just to free up the extra sisters a little bit. Love to free the sisters. Would love to free literally any deck I play because the TCG were on one when they printed Garura and Palliolimus. Oh, yeah. I mean, that card, we saw it being made just naturally in the Tillament deck, but it was just an answer to every field. Like, it's... I mean, it's unfair. I'm going to say it's unfair. Which is crazy, because it's a 1,500 attack level 6. Yep. And it draws a your card. It draws your card. The amount... I mean, we've tested it here. We saw it all, all the time on stream. Link, Merle, Garura, Elf. Draw a card. Draw a card and then recycle it to do it again exactly so like it's just so impactful super poly really yeah really made that uh so accessible it's definitely a card that like it's awkward you almost need to just ban it because if you put it to one again it becomes that one-off card where if they draw the super poly it upsets you it just sits in the same category as something like called by something mm-hmm. like terraforming it's like of course 
you drew it. Something like the snow. It's like, oh, yeah, of course. You have the one off. I remember it from Shadow Shadow Days. And like, that was awful. One super poly, because that was when Winda came out, correct? Uh, Oh, The Netch list. Oh, no. Winda was already out in Doors Alliance, but um, it was just in general. El Shadow? It was yeah, El Shadow. Yeah. yeah, so like all, all of those cards were out. It's just like the Shadow Mirror became this thing where you just, you didn't super poly because they were just super poly straight back. And it was just like whoever super poly second generally won the game um, and it became a game of chicken. And, yeah. And it just kind of ruined the experience. And I, I didn't even play Shadows at that point. Like you I just was completely. Just, I was like, eh, I'll play Burn and Abyss while you guys deal with that. Yeah. Um, and like, it's not healthy for the game. A card that reads, you cannot respond unfair i mean there's cards like dark roller no more ultimate slayer have specific you cannot respond with monster effects yeah i mean we saw they're they're not they're not afraid of printing that text it's on lovely labyrinth of the silver castle Mm. your opponent cannot respond to your normal traps with monster effects yeah but droplets giving it the condition you know but super polymerization flat out no response i think even uh, andrew dudson uh, came up to me later in the day and kind of laughed a bit because there's a, a lot of people do it like activate super poly and then they kind of look at their opponent and go well and then you go well i can't respond can't do anything can i <laughs> so you just say oh yeah that's right no the, the card literally it shuts off interaction which isn't good yeah it's a quite strong quite strong ability especially with gurura yeah, and I mean not only Guru but obviously Mud Dragon. Like, you Mud know, Dragon. giving these two giving these two Supoly targets. And again it extends out further. You think about previous formats, you looked at things like the Earth Golematic Nista, the Diplexa Chimera, hmm. the Salaman Great Violet Chimera. Like there was just so many All all it's done is like it's made it so you, you it's almost impossible to play around it now because there's so many different types of super poly targets. Like having Mud Dragon and Garura in the extra deck at the same time gives you kind of you know the full spectrum yeah it's summons like you look at your deck and go okay well all i do is play same type and attribute so i lose to garura mm. or i play same type same attribute different type i lose no, to my dragon. dragon yeah so like, and or you go even further than that you think like fusion of dark well, i'm just gonna get dragosta Pelliad. like you know it's, it's rough it's just crazy uh, yeah super poly probably my number one pick for something that may need to be adjusted i also think that may balance the format out again because i mean sprite can't deal with super polarization would it balance that matchup do you reckon probably but again like you know at what extent is that like is it unfair because i think i've seen so many people in the sprite format step away from summoning dirt frog mm. and so realistically you're super polying let's see what like a elf and a carrot or jet i just don't know i just don't know at that point like does is is that taking away is taking away that much interaction unfair more than a double toad like mm. you know it's a really interesting predicament in terms of board breakers and uh, and you know, equalizers you know mm. seeing cards that re-establish card advantage kind of neutralize out a lot of this resource gain that we are clearly seeing the top strategies doing yeah but i think all in all this was a, this event was a massive success. I think, I think so too. Yeah. I mean, I'm shattered. Yeah, shout out to yourself, uh, to Matt Rogers as well. Like, uh, uh, putting on. Uh, I mean, today you can't underestimate it. Uh, understate it. Sorry. Um, you had the Oceanic Championships going on. You had 128 players playing for a Minerva. Then you had 16, I believe, winner mats. With 13. 13, 13 winner mats. Yeah, sorry. And then you also had the uh, Time Wizard for the April 2010, yeah. I believe. And you had the Quagga Hercules tournament. 
That was the Time Wizard. That yep. was the Time Wizard. And yep. then you had the Power of the Elements winner box. Winner box. I mean, that was like literally 16 plus tournaments. I know there were only like single elimination ones, but the judge team, yourself, Matt, registering people all the time, all day. It was immense. It's crazy. I, it's, it is really put into perspective how much work goes into mm. these. So, you know, I have a lot of respect for people that have paved the way before me and, you know, people across the globe that coordinate events of these size and larger. You know, I think of Europe. It was 10x the size of this. Oh, yeah. What? <laughs> I would be like bricking it looking at 300 people, yeah. let alone 2,000. My goodness. That's, that's, a, that's a lot of work. But yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy that we've uh, managed to finally hold competitive Yu-Gi-Oh in the country. Uh, the first time in five years, we've managed to crown an Oceanic champion for the first time mm. in three years, and that being Dino, our beloved testing partner. And also just like the fact that uh, it's almost a year on the podcast for me as well. Just so I want to shout that one out. And um, it's just awesome that I've gone from joining a podcast talking about multi-format and my experience of Yu-Gi-Oh! to commentate on the Konami stream. Uh, so thank you for that opportunity as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, hey, I I, like I said, I wouldn't I wouldn't have picked in to any other people to do it. You know, yeah. length, commentary, knowledge, memory. They're, they're all, those are all things that come to mind when I think of you too. And we brought uh, Sleepy Lucas back to do the sign-off. Because that yeah. is us for today. That um, is us. We are happy to conclude this Oceanic Championship 2022 Yu-Gi-Oh! Weekend. Yeah. And here's to many more and here's to here's to the events so thank you so okay. much for listening as always if you are listening along on your preferred podcasting app please rate and review us leave us a five star that greatly helps if you're listening along on youtube please feel free to like comment and subscribe check out share with a friend as well please be sure to check out dino spasovsky's 13-0 telemint deck profile on youtube um, you can, and then you can follow us on Twitter where we've shared that link to our link description in the bio. If you have any questions, queries, comments, or concerns, please email us at thefacedowns at gmail.com. Uh, and I mean, as always, thank you so much for listening. I'm Ruben. I'm Lucas. And I'm Joe. And you've been listening to the, the Face Downs. Downs. <laughs>